podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Andy Mitz. I'm joined tonight by Steve Fetch. How you doing tonight, Fetch? Hey, good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So it's been a little while since we had you on the podcast. Uh, obviously, we had some some pretty big stuff happen since that since uh, that last time. The 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 main story, obviously, being the game that we had last night in the Champions Classic, Kansas versus Kentucky. Um, the experience of Kansas' squad going against the the youth and athleticism, if if you believe what everyone's you know said of Kentucky. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and ask you that first. Do you do you kind of agree with that narrative that you know Kansas or that that Kentucky had an overwhelming more amount of athleticism, but Kansas was able to win just by their experience? Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad you opened up with that question because that was kind of the point I was going to make. Um, you know, obviously Kansas. You know, when you look at their their grades, you know, they have more experience. Just the fact that they got two seniors and a junior starting, but um, you know, other than Devontae Graham, uh, really everyone's kind of playing the new role this year um, or getting kind of their first real taste of minutes. I mean, as a bookie played, you know, nine games or whatever it was last year, and Malik Newman sat out last year. And, uh, you know, Vic had his fair share of minutes last year, but he certainly wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't a part of the offense really the way he has been these first couple of games. Um, and even Spee, uh, you know, Spee's taking – the most shots on the team right now. And that's obviously something he didn't do last year uh, or, you know, any of the years before. So, you know, there definitely is something to be said for the fact that they've been in a college program and, and getting reps in the weight room and, you know, being in practice and stuff, but you know, they're, they're not much more experienced than Kentucky when you're talking about, you know, actual game reps and stuff. They got to kind of learn each other. Um, each other's tendencies and, and learn the way each other plays uh, just as much as Kentucky does, which is, I think is uh, a big reason why we saw both the offenses uh, scuffling last night. Um, as for Kentucky, obviously, you know, I don't really follow recruiting, so I didn't really know a lot about a lot of these guys coming into the game um, other than the guys who were there last year. But yeah, you know, they, they certainly had some guys who, you know, impressed me uh, athletically, especially uh, Hamadou Diallo. I mean, he can really jump out of the gym. I made the point in the preview post that he was, I think he was like an inch or two away from breaking uh, Kenny Gregory's vertical leap record at the NBA draft combine. Um, and he had a couple of really nice plays. Uh, you know, Kevin Knox was pretty good um, athletically, you know, kind of floated a little bit more than I thought he would given that he's six nine and, you know, kind of a bigger body for a perimeter guy. I think he probably could have, you know, taken Spee or Bick or whoever was on him down low a little bit more than he did. Um, so, you know, definitely not maybe the same type of athleticism they've had in the in the last couple of years. But, yeah, I, I would say that they had, you know, a little bit of a athleticism, athleticism advantage. And, and more than that, just, you know, the length. I mean, everyone on their team uh, on the wing is, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 6'9", even. Um, and you really saw that with, you know, Graham and, and Newman who were able to get to the rim uh, on these guys, but they just couldn't finish over the top of them, which, 
I don't think is going to be a, an ongoing issue just because you're not going to really see that many teams with that type of length. But, um, you know, maybe something to watch for when they play Texas and, and maybe, you know, if they get matched up against like a Duke or a rematch with Kentucky uh, in the tournament. Yeah, you actually kind of stole every single point that I was going to go ahead and make. I was, <laughs> was just one, I'm like, run to, the, run to the next. Oh, no, we got that one, too. But, no, I mean, I think my main my main takeaway from that game, at least in terms of Kentucky, is that they've got, you know, I wouldn't even say necessarily that they're, you know, freakishly athletic compared to a lot of teams. It's just that they have that length. You know, I watched them play. I actually watched the game against Utah Valley, and I watched the game against Vermont, um, mainly because, you know, my son really wanted to see – uh, he loves to watch any kind of college basketball. He'll, he'll pick up two random teams, and by the end of the game, you know, he'll know the mascots of each of the teams. He'll know most of their star players, and he'll have season stats down for, like, half the, the, the kids on each team, which is just ridiculous. So he really wanted to see Kentucky before they played Kansas so he could talk about, you know, how much we were going to kill them. Um, and, you know, he, he was really buying into it when we saw them struggle against Utah Valley, struggle against Vermont. And what we saw with those two teams is that they had a lot of guys um, that had similar sort of length, especially down low. Um, but their guards, you know, for Utah Valley and Vermont were a little were, – were, were rather quick, but they could post guys up. I think they had a little bit more length than, than our guards even do. Um, we kind of make up for that in, in terms of the, the scheme of the ball movement and, and that experience and um, kind of a little bit quicker, than I think, than most teams. Um, but when Kentucky doesn't have that decided advantage – uh, in length, they, they don't really know what to do with themselves yet at this point. Um, and so the, the, the main problem I think we had was that we had, especially Newman, just continually driving right into guys and trying to go up over them while he's right next to them. Um, you know, Frank, Frank Mason did that a lot his first couple years, and it drove everybody crazy because he would drive right at a guy and then try to, like, sidestep him at the last second and lay it up in a, such a way that he just had an easy slot for the block. Um, Newman's doing a lot of that this year. And, and I think part of that is just that as much as we've said that Devontae Graham is going to be the leader of the team and this, this team, I don't think he's quite used to that role of, you know, asserting his own will on the game, being able to create his own shot enough um, to kind of take over when he needs to. He's used to deferring to Frank Mason. And I think Newman is coming in with the same kind of mentality that Mason did, that he wants to be, you know, the guy that, that puts it on his shoulders and makes that, that drive in to, to get the big shot that they need. And, and Graham at this point, I think, is comfortable enough to let that happen. And I think that that's a mistake at this point. Um, you know, I, it just Newman, Newman is definitely talented enough to take over that role, but he's not seasoned enough um, at this point to know when to make those shots, like when to drive in, when he's going to be able to get over a guy. Um, you know, it, it took Frank Mason basically three years to really get that down. Um, so then his senior year, he was just absolutely deadly with it. Um, Newman may get there, but it's probably not going to be this year. So I'm really hoping that, that Graham would go ahead and take that role back. The other guy that I think, and I was a little surprised, um, you know, his, his overall stat line didn't really necessarily show it, but Svee was kind of the guy that, you know, KU turned to down the stretch for a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I, I almost thought at times that he was the one that was running the offense and not Graham. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff that we want them to clean up, but, you know, for the, for the first big game in the season, playing a very athletic or a very long Kentucky team, I wasn't really disappointed with a lot of what happened there, especially with the way that the defense went. You know, I was really, I was really impressed with, with our defense. Um, but our offense obviously has the ways to go. But like you said, you know, they're, they're not used to playing with each other. Um, they're all trying, trying to get timing down, and everyone's adjusting to a new role. 
for the most part. So I'm not I'm not really worried about it yet at this point, like a lot of people seem to be. Uh, but there's definitely a lot to kind of keep an eye out for that we have to hope gets fixed pretty quickly. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing I think we saw with the offense, you know, in that first half they really survived just by basically just pure offensive rebounding uh, yeah. and nothing else. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, standing around and, and taking a deep three kind of when nothing else, you know, showed up or, you know, trying to take your guy one-on-one, which, um, you know, they were able to break down the defense pretty well and get into the lane, but that's kind of when it stopped and they would just kind of, you know, either attack the rim against, you know, one guy who was bigger than them or, you know, some cases, you know, two or three guys were flying over for the block when they had, you yeah. know, guys available to, to dump the ball off to or, or kick it out for open shots. And I think we saw them do that a little bit more uh, in the second half. I didn't go, you know, tally the possessions or anything like that because, you know, hell will freeze over before I watch that game again. But, um, you know, they, they got a lot more open looks in the second half and they just missed them. And, you know, that's that when you're a jump shot oriented team and you're a, you know, college team rather than an NBA team, you know, there's going to be nights when you're just not making jump shots. I mean, it happens. And so I think, you know, maybe some of the offensive concerns are a little bit overblown given that, um, you know, obviously they shot uh, 40% on twos and like 29% on threes, which, you know, certainly there's room for improvement. But, you know, I think it's a little bit overblown when you look at kind of the, the number of open shots they got that, that just missed. And that certainly guys who can, you know, make those shots. Um, so I'm not, I'm not terribly worried yet. Um, you know, right. they're not going to face a, a test like this for a while. So we're, we're not really going to see you know, any kind of, you know, we're going to see a lot of improvement and not really see kind of a, a true test uh, to know if it's for real or not. But um, I, I wouldn't be worried for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's why I like the Champions Classic because we get that early season barometer of, you know, how much do they really have to work on? And then we typically have a good, you know, month stretch of tune-up games or, you know, slightly harder than tune-up games, like no real huge challenges. Um, that allow them to work on the things they need to work on, and then we jump into conference play where it's just absolutely ridiculous how how tough the conference play usually is. Um, to 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 kind of support that point about the offensive rebounding in the first half, I was I was watching the game and I think it was about about the six minute mark of the first half. They showed the offensive rebounding stats and Kansas was leading fourteen to one. I mean they were they were crashing the offensive glass like crazy. I, like that jumped out to me immediately. I was like, well. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing, especially when you're, you know, talking about a team as long as Kentucky, you would think it'd be harder um, to get on the offensive glass when you've got so many tall guys just sitting around there. So, um, yeah, I was definitely impressed by that. So, um, okay, so the other the other story, I guess, to kind of come out of that, I mean, well, real quick, do you have anything else about the game specifically you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, I, I think, I guess, if you want to, you know, just a um, – piggyback on what you said about speed. Um, I think you're right that they did a lot of uh, running the offense through him. And, um, you know, there was a lot of talk this off season about how he lost, you know, 15 pounds or whatever it was. And, and he certainly looked a lot quicker. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he's like noticeably skinnier than he was last year. I mean, I think he's always been kind of a, a skinnier guy, but um, noticeably quicker on offense, you know, was able to get to the rim, uh, with a little bit more ease than he has been. 
Um, only shot three of 10 from three, but you know, he had some open looks and I just, you know, that's going to even itself out. I'm not worried about that at all with him. Um, and then one other point, you know, with, with kind of Kansas looking for, you know, an alpha dog late in games. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to go to Azubuki because of his free throw troubles. Um, you know, Graham isn't really a, a to the rim type guy. I don't think he's really like a, a break guy down off the dribble guy. Uh, Svee kind of is, and, you know, I made this point um, both in the recap and on Twitter that he's probably played in more, you know, big games than than anybody on this team. You know, he's played um, in all of the, you know, under 16, under 17, under 19 uh, events for Ukraine, both in, in terms of European competition and uh, World Cup uh, competition. And he played for the, for the senior team in the uh, last basketball world championships. Yeah, I mean, um, and you know, you probably you add that to the fact that he was a, you know, he was a professional basketball player uh, before he got to Kansas. So you know, he's played in more big games than any of these guys. So you know, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see him taking uh, a few more big shots than maybe we were expecting at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably even venture to say he's probably played in more big games than everyone else on the roster combined at this point. I mean, and that's saying a lot considering you know, Devontae Graham's a senior. It's not like he hasn't had a lot of big games to play in, but he's been there for most of the same one or for all the same ones at Kansas. But yeah, he's got that, that overseas experience, um, you know, and as, as the game here in the U S trends more and more to the, the international game, especially at the college level, um, that experience that Svi has, I think kind of gives him a leg up on, on adapting to a lot of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that Svi, and, and I think that's kind of the one thing that we were talking about over the summer that, you know, Svi needed to develop, you know, he'd always kind of been that, you know, spot shooter, Decent defender, um, you know, could could offer a little bit of speed off the bench, but if you put him in the starting lineup or tried to run your offense through him, it probably wasn't going to be very successful. And and while it wasn't perfect, you know, it definitely was more successful than anything else that worked last night um, for a good portion of the game. So he started to show that he can at least do that competently. Um, you know, the real question is going to be, is Graham going to get back on? Is, is Newman going to get back on? And then he's going to see those opportunities not materialize or are they going to build off of this and give him an opportunity to kind of show that and then bump up his draft stock coming up this year because I, I think if he can show that consistently he immediately jumps in as like a low first round maybe high second round guy um, because you know one because of how young he is but to have all that experience at the age that he is and then to, to kind of sh- finally show that that development is rounding out and that you know maybe a year or two down the road he could be a very solid NBA player for for a team that that needs him at that spot, so he has a lot to prove this year, and and he may actually get the opportunity to kind of show that. Um, you know, it's, it's I, I was looking back the other day on the rankings that we did here on the podcast, and we had Jesse Newell on, and I noticed that pretty much everything that we said is is you know been shuffled all over the place. Um, you know, uh, I mean Marcus Garrett, I think we all had him down at like seven or eight out of the rotation, and right now I'd probably put him in our top you know three or four. I mean, he's been he's been absolutely phenomenal, um, mostly on the defensive end. But his offensive game, I think, is what described or what has surprised me. Like, I knew he was going to be a good a good perimeter defender, and that's probably where he was going to contribute. But he's been able to to hold his own out there on the offensive end. Um, you know, obviously, as you noted, there were some freshman mistakes, but those are going to happen with any with any true freshman. So, um, you want to talk about Garrett a little bit, or, or are you ready to move on? Yeah, no, I mean, I will talk about Marcus Garrett for forever. Um, you know, offensively last night, you know, he, you know, 
the thing that kind of drags his, you know, single game numbers down or whatever is the, the two turnovers that he had. Um, again, you know, just freshman mistakes. One was on that skip pass uh, that I think was intended for Graham that got stolen. Uh, I actually don't remember the other one, but um, I think the other you know, one was in that sequence where it was like, uh, I think he like tried to, to cut to the left and lost the ball and then Kentucky grabbed it and then lost it to Devonte and then Devonte lost it again to another Kentucky. Pass. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like that's back right. and forth, like four or five times in like 10 seconds. So. so that one, you know, that one's probably a little bit more of, you know, what you would call like an effort turnover. That's not, you know, obviously you don't want to turn it over ever, but you know, and if it's a, a helter skelter play like that, you'll live with that a little bit more than the other one that he had where he, you know, threw a pass kind of right to Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so, you know, two turnovers in 19 minutes, that's going to make your, you know, your single game offensive rating look worse than it probably should be. But, uh, you know, he was one of two uh, from three and, you know, lots been made of the fact that his shot isn't really where it should be yet, but um, you know, his, his form is really slow, but, he's going to get room to shoot those with the other guys that they have uh, on the roster. And I, I think with both of them, you know, he stepped up and took them and, and had a nice confident stroke and, you know, one went in and one didn't, but the one that didn't was, uh, you know, he didn't clang it and he didn't airball it or anything like that. So uh, I'm not really, you know, expecting him to be a consistent double digit scorer by any means, but if he can, you know, make one three a game and, and maybe get a, a put back off an offensive rebound or something like that per game and just score like five or six points, you know, that's going to be something that's going to help out a lot. And then, you know, obviously defensively, you know, he played really well, both on the perimeter, uh, banged a little bit down low, which was nice. Um, had a couple of steals. Um, he didn't get credit for one, but I think he was, you know, he either blocked a shot or, you know, altered one or two. And, and you know, he's going to be playing against guys who are, probably bigger than him all year. So just, just the versatility that he has uh, as a freshman and just kind of the, you know, he certainly doesn't have a, a deer in the headlights look like you would kind of expect a lot of freshmen to, especially guys who come in and aren't, you know, top five, 10 player in their class. Um, but I, I, you know, I think he probably should have been, it's, it's looking more and more like he, you know, deserves to be up there with some of those guys who are getting a little bit, more heralded and it's just because he's not a, a pure scorer that he's not, but certainly clear that he brings all of the other stuff to the table. And, and when you have a team of, you know, more pure scorers and, and shooters, you know, you need a guy who's going to do some of that dirty work stuff. So I think he's going to get a lot of playing time this year and, and definitely going to deserve it. Yeah. I mean, if he can, if he can show the same kind of stuff consistently, like he has, you know, in these first few games, I could see him making a serious run for a big 12 freshman of the year. I mean, he's been playing that phenomenally defensively. The offensive numbers are starting to come around, and they're a lot better than I originally thought they were going to be. And he's getting a lot more opportunities than I thought he was going to get. So, you know, there, there's a lot of talent here in the Big 12 this year, um, but I think he's definitely got the ability to make a run at it at least and be in the, you know, the top three or four if he continues to capitalize on the opportunities that he's getting. Um, I think that one steal you were talking about that he should have got, I believe he, he tipped a ball and then Newman ended up coming up with it or, or something like that. Um, so, yeah, that, that seems to happen a lot with the way he plays defense. He puts enough pressure on guys that they make a mistake that he'll be the guy that affects it and then someone else will benefit in the stat line because, you know, he's, he's just not able, there, able to be there to grab the ball or, or be the one to get the rebound or, or get the block or whatever. But he affects it enough that it sets someone else up for, for a good stat there. So, 
All right, let's go ahead and jump. Um, the other big story to come out of that game uh, was the fact that Billy Preston was sitting yet again um, to kind of clear up what's going on because there's been a lot of stuff floating around Twitter. The latest that I got was from Jesse Newell. Um, you know, his, his explanation essentially was that Billy Preston got into a single car accident. There wasn't really any damage to the car. Just, you know, the tires got messed up a little bit. Um, but it wasn't – or the, the car that he had registered with the university was that car, but there were some questions about whose car it actually was. Um, you know, this is kind of the, the impermissible benefits sort of investigation, needing to make sure that, you know, if it's not his car, belongs to his family, who did it come from, um, you know, why does he have it, just kind of making sure everything's on the up and up. It's, it's one of those things you wish that they would have taken care of before the, the season actually started. Um, but, you know, with everything that they have to do, if everything looks, you know, good on the first pass, I, I'm not really too – um, I guess, upset with them that they weren't able to get this figured out immediately until it was brought to their attention. Um, but, you know, I, I, at this point, um, Self has pretty much said that he doesn't know what the timetable is. He's sure it's going to get resolved, but how exactly or when, um, he's not really sure. So, um, But really, I think the big question of this becomes, if he does, if Preston is out for any amount of time, um, how, you know, first of all, how does that affect his development and what we can expect from him this year? And then second of all, how does that affect our rotation? Um, you know, going going through the year, obviously, Azubuke had, I believe, 34 minutes in that game, but that, I don't think that's sustainable for him over the course of the season. So I'll, I'll let you jump in on, on, on both of those topics. Yeah, you know, as for him, I mean, obviously game reps are – preferable to no game reps um as long as he's practicing i think it's going to be you know somewhat okay i mean he's you know he's a pretty skilled you know polished player uh from what i've seen so far so i'm not really too worried about that so long as he's not out for you know a whole semester or something like that but um as for Kansas, you know, I don't know that it's going to be a, a huge issue unless, again, he's missing, you know, a big chunk of the Big 12 season. Um, from here on out, the the non-conference schedule is not great. Um, they're obviously going to, you know, lose a game or two just because they always, you know, lose a random game or two. Um, but nothing, nothing to where I, I think that it's going to be solely due to, to Billy Preston, but the issue comes if, if they're in the middle of, of the Big 12 season and he's still not back yet. Um, obviously, Sam Cunliffe will, will be eligible, but they're not going to have a, a ton of you know depth, not going to have a ton of size. And, and like you said, Yudok um, Azabuki is not going to play that much um, every game just you know due to foul trouble. And, and you know you saw at the end of the game last night, he was pretty gassed there. They had to call a timeout like just to get him rest. So – um, you know, for that reason alone, I think that, you know, they need another big body just to, to give minutes almost regardless of how good he is. You know, I mean, self clearly does not want to depend on Mitch Lightfoot too much if he doesn't have to. Um, and the other thing too, is if he misses a lot of time and, and comes back now, that's another player that they have to integrate and they have to get used to playing with again. And, you know, how's that going to affect them going forward? So, you definitely want him back as, as soon as possible, both because he looked, you know, pretty darn good in those exhibitions and, and also because you just don't want to upset the, the chemistry of the roster if you reintroduce him in, you know, January or something like that. So um, obviously I don't want to speculate as to what happened um, 
I'm sure it's an, an issue where, you know, he got into a, a one car accident and they, you know, realized that, uh, who, you know, whoever's insuring the, the car uh, and owns the car isn't, you know, Billy Preston and they want to figure out what's going on. Uh, which, you know, could be anything from, you know, innocent to nefarious, so who knows. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But, just, you know, there's a lot of people that are questioning, oh, well, there's got to be something else going on because there's no way that a that an accident like this where the only damage is to some tires is going to cause them to be suspended. And, you know, it's it's pretty clear from what everyone's been saying. It's not the accident itself. It's that when he got in the accident and it got reported, there was some question about, you know, whose car is it or who's insuring the car? Is there some sort of financial relationship there that is that doesn't comply with NCAA rules? There's no indication yet that, you know, something's been done wrong. There's no indication yet that everything is, is fine. They really need to go ahead and investigate this. Um, you know, it sounds like it was minor, or I should say, it sounds like Bill Self thought it was minor enough that it could potentially have been cleared up the day after, you know, the accident happened. So, um, you know, but stuff like that could take a little bit longer. I, I mean, I'm not really too concerned if he does actually stay out for a while. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a problem. Like you were saying about reintegrating him in, because if you remember after that, after that first semester, we're going to be getting Sam Cunliffe. So we'll have to integrate him into the roster. But you know, the other big news that kind of broke on the recruiting trail was uh, Silvio D'Souza that we've been talking about. He's actually trying, you know, to be able to start playing in December. Um, and so that's another big guy that we're going to have to integrate. And so if they all, all three of those guys come in at the same time, then we're going to be doing that sort of integration anyway. I don't think it'll disrupt the team very much. And that'll be right after Christmas, I believe. Um, so I believe the first game that he would be available for would actually be on the 22nd against Stanford. Uh, I believe is, is what's the officially the start of the second semester because that's right after finals. Um, so technically, you know, as, as long as he's back before that time frame, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a big deal. The other thing with Silvio D'Souza, you know, I actually had said on our last podcast that, you know, I would, when I was talking with Mike, you know, I would be opposed to him coming early, um, you know, and then trying to integrate because I didn't think he'd make that much of a of, a, of an impact. Um, I, I've completely changed my mind on that for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, you know, Bill Self has come out and said, you know, as soon as he could, that. Silvio is, is the kind of guy that could have an impact from the moment he steps on campus. And if Bill Self is really, you know, feeling that confident in him that he can have that kind of impact, there's, there's definitely something there that Self sees that he can at least be useful this year. Um, the other reason was, you know, and, and kind of the reasoning I gave on there is that I didn't want to see him burn an entire year of eligibility if he wasn't really going to get on the court. Um, but obviously, you know, it sounds like that's not really going to be the case. And, of course, that only matters if he's actually going to be here for four years, which if he's as good as everyone's saying he is, I just don't see how that happens, really. So there's really not a concern about, you know, using an entire year of eligibility for just one semester. Um, and, you know, it sounds like he's actually going to have an impact, especially with our, our depth issues down low. So, yeah, I would definitely be all for it. I hope he can go ahead and get cleared and we can get him on campus um, and get started with him. I mean, do do you know and enough about him to say how you think he's gonna he's gonna impact the lineup, other than just say that he's gonna be another body down low we can utilize? No, I mean, you know, I I've read you know I read a little bit about him um, from from people that kind of know what they're talking about. Mostly Draft Express. I mean, they're kind of the gold standard for for you know amateur scouting report stuff. Um, they really like him, 
so I really like him uh, is kind of where I'm going to be at right now. I mean, obviously that could change, you know, if and when we see him play this year, but just kind of reading how he's been described, you know, he's going to be an energy guy who's like a good rebounder and um, solid scorer, even though he's probably not going to have to do that very much with all the scoring talent that they have. But, you know, defensively, I think he's going to be the big key as far as how much he plays, Um, you know, Bill Self didn't play Diallo and didn't play Cliff Alexander, mostly because, you know, they would get lost on defense um, more often than not. So, you know, that's going to be the big key. But I think if he is, you know, like you said, another body um, and just a guy who can, you know, give Azubuki a break and, and give, you know, hopefully Billy Preston a break and, you know, let Kansas get a little bit more flexible with our lineup so that they're not going with, you know, either, um, Azubuki and Preston or, you know, Azubuki and four guards, um, you know, that's going to be a big help. And, and, you know, all he's got to do really to make an impact is, you know, catch and dunk and, and rebound. So um, definitely someone that I think they, they should add. Um, just quickly, there's some talk that he, if he does show up, um, he might be eligible for the NBA draft in June. Uh, if he chooses to go that route, I don't believe um, he is. Uh, one thing is that, uh, so it's a, it's a two-part rule to be eligible uh, for the draft if you're uh, if you're in the United States. One is that you have to be 19 uh, the year of your draft, which he will be. Uh, but two, you have to be a year removed from graduating high school, and I believe their high school gra- uh, graduation is uh, December. He's going to be considered graduating high school in December, and Bill Self explained it. Um, so I don't, I don't really know exactly why it's December, but I'm going to trust, uh, Bill Self. So he wouldn't be eligible, uh, for the draft next June. It would be the June after. So that's, that's not an issue. Um, you know, some people are saying, well, if we can only have them for one semester, let's just wait and get them next year. But, um, I think this will basically be a, a free semester, uh, so to speak. So definitely getting him, uh, on campus as soon as possible would be a good idea. Yeah, and then the reason for that, um, you know, why it's December is because he did not complete the prior year or summer school period with all the credits that he needed. So while he was able to rec- technically reclassify into the recruiting class, or he, he's looking to reclassify into the 2007 recruit, or 2017 recruiting class, um, because he did not actually have all the credits to be able to do that before this, this semester started, he's not officially graduating um, with a year, you know, before the draft. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, most most high school classes that you think of um, are graduating in May, but there are, you know, once you have all the credits, is essentially when you're able to graduate, which would be at the end of the semester. Um, and and you could actually technically make the argument that his graduating class, even though he's reclassifying and being able to play early, um, his graduating class is actually the class of 2018. And so that that graduating class. Because um, that's how the rule actually reads, is that must also be at least one year removed from the graduation of his high school class. So if you say he didn't make the last high school class um, that graduated in May or graduated in the summer, uh, then he has not been one full year removed because it's either going to be when he actually graduates or when the rest of his class graduates in May. So um, I believe that that's the rationale for why he wouldn't be eligible. Um, and if that really is the case, then, yeah, there really is no downside to getting him or down here to campus early. Even if he didn't really play, um, you know, like we were talking about, the ability to get in on the, the strength training with Huddy um, and the ability to kind of just get around the guys and get used to, to playing with these guys and working with these guys, 
is going to give him a leg up on the other freshmen that are coming in in that class. So anything we can do to kind of solidify that situation down low, even if it doesn't pay off this year, um, it's going to make us even more of a monster team to deal with next year. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. All right, so let's go ahead and leave that there. Um, the only other thing I think to talk about tonight, uh, actually right before we started recording, about an hour or so, um, Quentin Grimes, uh, he's a, he's a uh, I forget what his actual rank is. I'm trying to pull up the article right now. But he, uh, you know, he's high, highly rated, was basically picking between Kansas and Texas. He actually did commit tonight to Kansas, so that adds to Bill Self's monster 2018 class. Um, I was actually looking at, around Twitter, and uh, the one thing that came from from one of our, uh, I, I guess you can call them competitors over at Rock Chalk Blog, they were talking about, um, you know, Bill Self now has four top 35 guys in the next class, um, and that's just the freshmen. You know, then we have the Lawsons coming in and Charlie Moore coming in as a transfer. So the, the, the class we have coming in next year is absolutely loaded. We essentially could have, you know, an entire another team um, that isn't even eligible to play this year, <laughs> you know, that, that that's going to be coming in next year. So we're going to have an entire team's worth of new guys to go with the key pieces that we're going to keep from this year's team. So that, that next year's team is going to be completely stacked. I know, I know you're the one that kind of put together the article um, for Quentin Grimes. Uh, his his commitment. Um, I know you haven't really looked at him a whole lot before today, even. But what was it you were able to find that 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 excites you about the player? Um, you know, and how do you kind of think he's going to fit in with all the guys we have coming in next year? Yeah, like you said. I mean, you know, I again, I know who like two recruits a year are, and this this is not one of them. But just kind of doing some reading, uh, Draft Express compared him to Gary Harris, who had two years at Michigan State and was. Uh, really, really good both years. Um, so that's something that um, I'm excited for. Uh, he's like a six-five-ish uh, combo guard who mostly plays off the ball, but definitely has some on-ball skills. Uh, it looks like, um, you know, pretty good passer, um, pretty good able, uh, pretty good ability to to get to the rim when need be. Uh, of course, all, you know, all these top guys look like they do when they're in high school too. So you never know, but. Um, also looks like he's, you know, got a, a decent little floater, decent little mid-range game. So um, someone to, to get excited about, someone who I think is going to look good next to um, Devin Dotson and, and, you know, Charlie Moore. Charlie Moore obviously is a, a bit smaller, so the fact that they got someone who's, you know, 6'5", who could go next to him really enhances the defensive versatility, as does, you know, having Marcus Garrett back. So, you know, Kansas is going to be able to trot out a, a lot of different lineups next year, you know, depending on, you know, who stays from this year's team. Um, and then those those three guys coming in next year. So uh, definitely, you know, Duke's probably going to finish with the number one recruiting class because they have R.J. Barrett coming in, who's one of the recruits that I actually have heard of. Um, but, you know, I think Kansas is probably going to be, well, probably should be the uh, preseason number one team in the country next year if we want to look uh, super far ahead. Um, just even with, you know, just the Lawsons and, and Charlie Moore, and then now their, their four recruits that they have uh, in this class, uh, to say nothing of, you know, what happens if, you know, Preston or Vic or Azubuki um, or even Newman uh, comes back. You know, who knows what's going to happen with those four. Um, certainly you could see all of them going. You could see, you know, a couple of them going. Um, 
So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see there. But, yeah, Kansas, I mean, after two years of, you know, pretty short rotations, I mean, they're going to probably be able to, to trot out, you know, nine or ten guys who are, you know, really, really good next year, which is going to be a, a different sort of challenge, you know, how you keep all those guys happy and stuff. But we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, that that was going to be my other main comment, was just with all these guys we have, you know, and, and I really do think we have two of those guys that you mentioned coming back next year. Um, you know, I could see Otsubuke going early. I could see Vic going early. That's probably the two most likely that would go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're going to have very limited minutes for a ton of new guys, I think, just because of everyone that we have coming back. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And it'll be a nice problem to have, having too much depth. Um, the hope, obviously, is just that, you know, we don't get any guys that are disgruntled and end up leaving when we really could use them in the years to come after that. So, um, But we'll we'll deal with that when we get there. It's, it's definitely better to have too much talent and have to figure out how to keep it um, than to deal with what we're dealing with this year, where we're just so thin that, I mean, if, if any of our main guys got injured this year, I don't know how this, this team would cope with it. Um, although I, I guess Preston being out is kind of giving us an early look at what that might be like. All right, any other final thoughts about basketball or recruiting or, or anything like that? No, you know, I, I know you uh, I know you got to go. So if you have anything else, you know, hit me with it. I do have uh, the return of the cricket minute if you want to just hop right to that, though. Yeah, yeah, just real quick, um, before we do that, Texas and Kansas were actually playing in volleyball tonight before we were recording. Um, for those of you that weren't paying attention to that and you'll be listening to this before you really check in, Texas did sweep Kansas in three sets. Um, Madison Rigdon made her return after being out for three matches with injuries, um, but you could tell for sure that she wasn't at full strength. Um, she didn't even start the first two sets, and I think out of desperation, they started her in the third set, and um, Kansas really just was out of gas at that point. And unfortunately, I think that this, that this iteration of the volleyball team isn't going to be anywhere near what we really want it to be, um, just with, with injuries and, you know, um, kind of falling off a little bit, and the fact that Texas and Baylor are just absolutely dominant right now. Um, I could see this this team finishing probably in third or fourth in the Big 12, um, and, and you know having a decent a decent showing in the tournament, but I, I really wouldn't expect them to replicate the success in the last few years, which is unfortunate for this group of seniors. Um, but you know it does happen, especially when you have injuries. So um, you know we'll, we'll we'll definitely send those girls girls out with a lot of support. Um, but you know unfortunately, I, I hope they prove me wrong, but it doesn't look like it's going to be their year this year. Um, and then, you know, the one, the one final thing before I let you finish up with your cricket minute, um, the game we have this weekend is not even going to be close. Um, it's Kansas versus Oklahoma in football, and it is down in Norman, if I remember correctly, meaning that Kansas is going to get absolutely destroyed. Um, you know, I, I, uh, at, at home, actually. Oh, it is at home. Oh, that's right. Which that's makes right. no difference, but yeah. Well, yeah, it's not really going to make a difference. And, and that's senior day, right? Because Oklahoma State's at the road next week. Uh, that's, that's correct. Yep, great way for these guys to go out. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Big 12 uh, schedule makers didn't really do our seniors any favors of, you know, having their senior day being what's going to be an absolute embarrassment. So, all right. I think with that, um, that kind of pushes us into the weekend. There will be some on the site. I believe I'm, I'm, I am doing a Q&A with the, with the Crimson and Cream Machine guys. Um, they're the ones that cover Oklahoma. So we'll, we'll have some coverage of the Oklahoma game. Um, but probably not very much just because I think we all know how that story is going to go. So, all right, Fetch, let's, let's go ahead and finish it off with the uh, cricket minute tonight. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. First, uh, they should have let us play, uh, Southeast Missouri on senior night, but, uh, oh, so 
Uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself with, with the cricket minute here because it's not currently going on, but I don't know that we're going to have a podcast before it starts. Uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this in a minute just ahead of time, but uh, the Ashes are back, and the Ashes are uh, the most famous uh, test cricket uh, competition. Um, test cricket, of course, is the longest form of cricket. It takes about five days uh, to play. Basically, each team bats twice. Um, there's a lot of strategy as far as, you know, if, if you, um, are batting and you're piling up the runs, you can stop hitting and, and, you know, declare that this is, uh, your total. And, and there's a lot of strategy that goes into when you do that. And that's, that's for another time. But so the ashes are a, uh, series between England and Australia that take place, um, at least once every four years, there's not like a set interval um but basically um the ashes uh came about because um australia uh way back in the uh the 1880s um beat um 1882 sorry um beat england uh in this series and uh some paper wrote that you know english cricket was dead uh, and the body should be cremated and and take the ashes to australia so now they have this like urn that they play for and stuff, and um, it's just yeah, it's just kind of a uh, yeah. So it's it's uh, starts November twenty third uh, this year, um, and there's there's five different tests. So it's you know five different uh, matches of you know these matches that take five days. So naturally, it lasts a long time. Uh, the first one is the twenty third through the twenty seventh of November. The last one is the fourth through the eighth of January, so uh, solid month of of cricketing. Uh, if you need to watch it, um, I'm not really sure where it's going to be aired. A lot of times these cricket matches will be on ESPN three, but um, cricket's weird about their TV rights. Uh, they care about well, I mean, all sports care about money more than anything else, but cricket takes it to a whole other level with the TV rights and all this stuff. So. Not 100% sure where it's going to be available uh, in the U.S. yet, but um, I'll definitely I'll, I'll tweet out a link uh, to it for sure uh, if you want to watch it. So should be fine. Uh, should be pretty interesting. Um, both teams are are well. England has been uh, a lot better as of late, um, so they're they're probably going to win. I think even though it's in um, Australia, but uh, you never know. Also. Um, one final note, uh, the uh, second of the five tests is going to be the first ever one that uh, is a, a day-night. So the first innings will take place during the day and then the second one uh, at night. So that's kind of cool. That's there's your, there's your cricket minute for this podcast. Yeah, I learned a whole lot more about cricket, I think, than I ever knew. I, I watched it a few times online, but there's definitely a lot more to that than meets the eye. So, all right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Um, thank you again for, for joining me tonight, Fetch. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, we'll, we're going to go ahead and record again probably on Monday or Tuesday. The, the one thing we didn't talk about was the game coming up between the uh, basketball team and South Dakota State. I'm not expecting that to really be too much of a test, although we will get to see – I feel really bad because I forgot his name again. Um, Mike Donald. There we go. Yes. Uh, so uh, that should be really interesting. I definitely recommend you guys tune in if you get the opportunity. Um, the, you know, the, the news today was that uh, I believe it's 38 KMCI has picked up all of the games that were on the Jayhawk network. So we don't have to worry about people in KC not being able to watch 
the game anymore. So no no excuse anymore for not watching any KU game. Um, but yeah, so so everybody uh, definitely tune into that, and we'll we'll be breaking down that game a little bit um, and kind of looking at the schedule ahead. Maybe we'll have something interesting to talk about about the football game. I'm not really sure. Probably not, but we can always hope. So, all right. Thanks again, and uh, thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Podcast Network.